Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina Live Scoops. We still got to have a name, but one we, name we do have. You were know. working on that a little bit last night, right? I was working on that last night. One name we do have is Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They take care of us. So take care of them. Rate, review, subscribe, like, um, smash the like button. Drop some reviews on uh, the Apple podcast feed. That helps as well. Good or bad. Five stars are nice. Um, but even solid three stars. Uh, three-star reviews are, can can help the process, and with that, Mr. Don Callahan joins me. Don, our second edition. You said I was working on the name. What? Let's talk about the name of this show a little bit as folks trickle in. What do you think we should call it? So you gave me, let me look at the, do you want me to, the names that popped out to me that I liked? Scooping at High Noon, and I think you also put High Noon Scoops. Yeah, basically sort of the same name. That was not too bad. And then um, Big Noon Scoops wasn't too bad either. Um, I liked, you know, I don't think you have it on here, but someone brought up the afternoon delight. Yeah. And I mentioned bringing that scene from the, uh, anchorman, but obviously we couldn't do that for copyright reasons. Although I think that'd be great to be like a little intro thing, but yeah. Um, those were the ones I liked. What did you like? Are you married to the school? I am married. No, are you married to the scoop accent? I I don't do the personal talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's all business. You know, if you like somebody, it's more difficult to break up. So we need to make sure we keep it professional just in case. Now, okay. do you like the scoop? Do you like the scoop idea? Do you like that nickname? I mean, if you want me to be honest, I don't. I, I don't give a crap um, what we call it. I mean, I think we. I want a cool name, but there's nothing like the scoop. I'm not like super. I guess married to to use your terminology. So, we want to change something. I'm cool with that too. We we got to start fresh. You know what I mean. You're my new wife. 
Ross yeah. was my first wife. You're my second wife. So, you know, we kind of almost have to move into a new house. You don't yeah. want to feel like you're sleeping in Ross's bed. Oh, my Atlanta. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I came out of the transfer portal and here I am. Speaking of transfer portal, see, this is, I can segue with the best of them. I need one of those things I can roll around. I prefer high noon scoops. Okay. But we need to get a, a, a sponsorship from high noon. So make it happen. Somebody out there that's listening to this, that's got a hookup. Yeah. Get us, get us a, a, I'll be glad to have the high noon uh, logo behind us for high noon scoops. Let's talk about this and, and we'll get into the players, Don and all, but I, one thing we were talking about just before we started here off the air was the, the transfer portal aspect of it, uh, of all this. Uh, Matt Brown pretty much said that they are searching. Uh, Adam Smith wrote an article on Inside Carolina, the transfer portal, this uh, this opening of it, I guess from April 15th to April 30th, could this work window. both ways. Yeah, this window could work both ways. And Mac mentioned quarterback, mm-hmm. um, which sort of has – lit the flames of the message boards and all, you know, me, I'm a Connor Harrell guy. Um, and I think he's going to be adequate this year and then good beyond that. But your thoughts on Max comments on the portal itself, um, and needs that they need to get given the state of recruiting, um, when you think about it all together, by the way, I love the shirt. I know I mentioned that before in a prior podcast, but I thought just watching the press conference and then kind of reading the transcription that I didn't think Mac was necessarily saying our top two uh, targets are getting a backup quarterback and addressing the offensive line. I thought he was just kind of just spinning at the hip a little bit and then kind of went down a rabbit hole about how difficult it is to recruit quarterbacks and offensive linemen in general out of high school because of all the various problems that you have um, or projection issues you have so i didn't necessarily see it at that now that doesn't mean he's not they're not looking for a backup quarterback i i don't know i'm with you i don't think that's like a huge priority if i'm just looking at north carolina's quarterback depth chart but um and i think that you know i know know a lot of people say oh they brought up different examples of players who did not transfer out because a transfer was brought in talking about if you brought in a quarterback transfer, what does that do for Connell Harold? Um, but I think it definitely increases the chances that Harold will transfer out. And I don't think that's a good thing. And I don't think it's, I don't think you want to get into this rhythm of constantly going into the transfer portal for quarterbacks, because, because I think what North Carolina has done since Mac Brown jumped back into office with, having Sam Howe for a couple seasons, having Drake May for a couple seasons. If you can continue that trend, take a guy out of, out of high school and have them for a couple seasons, I think that's the ideal path because you're going to get a couple seasons out of them and you can develop them. You know, if, if it ends up being, if Drake May ends up leaving after this season, like a lot of people think, and, and ends up being Connor Harrell, you'll have a kid who has been in your system for two years and then also – You'll have what three seasons with him, which which is is I think what you want. You're not going to get more than you're going to get two max out of a transfer portal quarterback. Yeah, and it just it just it, I just I just don't think that's a great cycle. Yeah, and I agree. And and the discussion and it's probably all moot, but I think it's yeah. relevant. Um, 
you know, with, with the portal, with every other position, I think the portal is fair game. Um, you bring in guys, you tell the guys that are currently on the roster, look, you got to compete for your job. Um, we're not, we're not giving you a job just because you've been here, but mm. quarterback's different. And I, and I agree with you, Drake's going to be the starter this year. So if you brought yeah. a portal guy in there in the off season, like this off season, they're going to sit. Yes. And who wants to transfer to sit? That's, yes. you know, it's yeah. hard enough to get high school guys that want to sit that are, that will accept sitting. Um, and now you're talking about getting a transfer at any position really, but especially at quarterback that's going to sit and watch. And, yeah. Cause uh, all these transfers, they, they, they're likely leaving their program, their current program because of playing time. So they're going to go to North Carolina and sit. I mean, cause this is one of the situations where clearly you're not surpassing Drake may, you know what I mean? There's other situations where there, there might be a little bit of an opening at the quarterback position. And the only, and we talked a little bit about this off air, the only situation I can think of, and again, we have a very small sample size because this transfer portal stuff is, is, is only a couple of years old, is Clemson has the past two classes been able to pull in a backup quarterback. Um, but those were very unique or unique situations. You know, one, the, the most recent one was a Paul Tyson. And, you know, he has he had a relationship, a prior relationship with Dabu and all that sort of stuff. Um but I, I just think it's it's going to be difficult to pull in the backup. Yeah, and and shout out to the folks that are already in the chat. And Preston says Chriswell may have transferred to sit at Arkansas. I, I guarantee that, you he didn't transfer there, though. He didn't tra- – well, first of all, he's going home. But second yes. of all, he didn't transfer initially knowing he was going to yes, sit. Yes, it was going to – yeah, he thought he was going to he, – he was, he was competing. He knew yeah. that there was a chance for him to win the job. You are not coming to North Carolina to beat out Drake May because that's just not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And then Gary in the chat says bring in a linebacker. It's really the same thing Yeah, at linebacker because you know Seth you Gray two... and Power Eccles are going to play. Yes. And so I if you bring in a linebacker, that. it would be – because I think, if I remember correctly, as crazy as it sounds, I think Sed and Power have an additional year of eligibility after this season. So if now if you think now we're going down a different direction now, but if you think either one of those guys are leaving after the season, then after the season in the next portal window, then yes, try to get a starter. But I think in this portal window, addressing the linebacker position, I, I just don't think is 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 something that you could really do. Yeah. And 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 one thing that the last few years have shown us is um and it's really at every school, but especially at North Carolina, um backup quarterback's not going to play a lot if at all um and rightfully so given who they've had with Powell and May um offensive linemen backup guys or it's questionable they talk about how they want those guys to play if they're a backup and then yeah. at linebacker i mean at linebacker they've been pretty consistent um throughout Mac 2.0 that the starters play a gigantic portion of the minutes or the snaps or whatever and, and so it's an interesting dynamic, but the portal is always a thing. Keep up with Inside Carolina. Um, you know, I'm quite frankly surprised we hadn't heard any names going out yet. Um, it is what, yeah. April 19th. The window opened back up on the 15th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's always something to follow. It's one reason that there is no offseason Inside Carolina. And, of course, Don's got high school recruiting on lock. 
And, and Don, we talked briefly on a on a little small, I don't want to call it a YouTube short, but talked about Ryan Ward, that commitment. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more about him here, and then we'll look ahead to two potential guys um, that are on the clock, basically. Tell me about Ryan Ward. Tell the folks on here that, that haven't read up or haven't watched that video what North Carolina got there, just in a nutshell. Yeah, so he was a guy who he took a bunch of visits these past couple of months, eventually narrowed it down to North Carolina and UVA, gave each school one last opportunity, visited UVA last Thursday, visited North Carolina this past Saturday, and almost immediately decided on North Carolina. And in the short, I compared him to John Copenhaver, and I believe um, very similar coming out of high school. You know, I, although I think the difference is is that Copenhaver was more of an attached tight end for um, Roswell High School, whereas um, Ryan Ward actually plays a lot of outside receiver, similar to what Bryson Nesbitt and um, Julian Randolph did for their high schools. But I think long-term, his role is more of an attached guy, a versatile guy, kind of like Hopen- Copenhaver has been has been used. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how Freddie Kitchens utilizes the current set. Because yeah. as we've seen over the last couple of years, um, you know, Nesbitt, Morales, and Copenhaver, they all get run, but they're all different. They're all used yeah. differently. And uh, – so that, you know, with the coaching change there and just – there are not too many teams that have three stud tight ends currently, and North Carolina is one of those with those three I mentioned there. Well, so we'll see how Ward fits in down the road, of course, 2024 guy. Um, so he's still a baby or still a young guy. Uh, he's got a long ways to go before he's contributing at University of North Carolina. Let's talk a couple about – and you've dropped a couple stories here recently um, – basically commitment watches and and folks that are on this you're most likely on the inside carolina premium message board so you've read about it if you're not we're not going to get in the process of dropping premium scoop on this podcast we'll certainly hint about it and tease it a lot um, and give you a little few nuggets or morsels or or mini scoops Uh, peter pazansky and i hate misspelling names or mispronouncing names so i hope i nailed that one tell us a little bit about what he what his status is um, and what North Carolina fans, especially the ones on our Tar Pit Premium Board, can expect um, to see maybe in the coming weeks. Yeah, so as you mentioned, drop that story on this morning, Wednesday morning. He basically is down to, there's no basically about it, he's down to two schools, North Carolina, Oklahoma. Those two schools offered him in late January. He ended up visiting both in March and returned to North Carolina, obviously, this past weekend. He doesn't have an exact date for an announcement wants to talk things over with his family and all that and uh but yeah i mean you know it's basically it's going to come down north carolina oklahoma for him so let me ask you a random question based on that and he's a he's currently a tampa florida guy but he's lived all over Um, yeah how many times in covering north carolina football recruiting have you seen a final two of north carolina and oklahoma uh, not often, but there was a tight end. Was it last class or the class before from Nebraska that was down to North Carolina, Oklahoma? Uh, but and and obviously, given his location, North Carolina didn't have much of a chance. But um, 
but he liked North Carolina a lot. But yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of an odd sort of battle here, you know. And it's it's weird because you know generally in in most cycles Oklahoma would win out, but I think North Carolina has a really good shot because of even though he's from Tampa. He his most of his family. He's originally from Philadelphia. His family has lived all over the place because of his dad's work. But most of his family lives in Phil- Philadelphia, which is a, a great city, by the way. And um, his grandparents, a pair of his grandparents, live in North Carolina. And he also has a brother who is a quarterback at Holy Cross, which is what is that in in Massachusetts? It's up that way. Yeah. So obviously, you know that all of that. I mean, none of that stuff is all that close to chapel hill but it's much easier to get to than oklahoma yeah and i mean if you're an east coast guy for the for the large part of your life um, yeah moving to oklahoma is a bit of a culture shock uh defensive line prospect 6'3 265 um got a nice frame tampa florida class of 22 composite three star um on 24 7 so it'd be interesting high three to see- star high three star yeah kind of like high noon scoops high three stars that's what we're all talking about uh, let's look at another one. Jaden Patterson, defensive back, another guy that is, um, I guess, in the hopper maybe um, mm-hmm. to, for a decision in the coming days or weeks. Sort of tell us a little bit about him and um, that recruitment. Another interesting one, I think. Yeah, so he's a kid who plays at, at Mill Creek High School. And if you follow recruiting closely or if you know Georgia football at all, it's it's a powerhouse in the state of Georgia. It's in the greater Atlanta area. It produced Caleb Downs, who signed with Alabama, North Carolina, recruited pretty heavily, one of, you know, top safety. But it consistently produces top players. North Carolina has has already secured a commitment from one of its prospects. Aiden Banfield is from um, Mill Creek, so this is a this is a big time program. He played wide receiver, I guess, for much of his life, but then a year ago moved over to DB put up some good numbers in a very talented secondary, again, playing against really good competition. And I think finally his film started to truly circulate, or I guess schools got a chance to really evaluate it in February-ish. That's when he started picking up Power 5 offers. North Carolina, well, he got on North Carolina's radar. North Carolina wanted to get him on um, campus first. So he visited in early March and scored the scholarship offer. He also visited Duke, Vanderbilt, and Wake Forest. Those four programs make up his final four. There's definitely a theme there. Academics are important to him, as it was with uh, Aiden Banfield. Him and and Banfield are are teammates, obviously, but they aren't super, super, super close. But that only helps when one of your teammates, one of the guys that you're working out with every day, you know, you could see him wearing a UNC shirt and that sort of thing. Yeah, one thing I notice on his, you mentioned the schools that are recruiting him and, and what it is, top four or whatever, um, but he doesn't have a ranking on there. Sort yeah. of tell us tell us what's lacking there. And also, well, I've got to follow, but I'll ask it after you answer that one. Yeah, so this is just a protocol sort of situation with 247 Sports. I mean, the kid didn't get his first Power 5 offer until February, and even though he picked up what, how many were there? I think it was just under a dozen power five offers, you know, just hadn't been a priority to get ranked. He'll be ranked at some point. Um, And uh, so I expect him, you know, with 
you know, I guess what today they're updating the 2025 class. So I imagine when they do an update to the 2024 class that he'll be ranked, but it's actually, you know, considering I, I wouldn't look at the lack of ranking as a negative thing. He also, you know, this is according to him, his best time in the 100 is 11 seconds, which for a kid who's six foot one, 170 pounds is, is plenty fast. Definitely the type of speed you want to bring to the secondary. You got to love his size. Charlton Warren has always been known to love DBs with size. Um, and like I said, I mean, he's playing deep. I think in the, on the East coast, cause I don't know the other areas as well. I think the, the greater Atlanta area is the best area, most competitive area for high school football on the East coast. Let me ask you a question to follow. I was thinking of um, a lot of times it happens where, and it's sort of less these days and days with social media and all the available things, but a coach goes to a school to recruit player A mm -hmm. and player B and player C pop that mm -hmm. maybe coach wasn't. Um, you mentioned Caleb Downs. Obviously that school is, um, obviously he is ridiculous as a, as a prospect and we'll show that. Um, and related to a Carolina guy that was pretty good for his couple years or three years. But how, how much does that affect um, in football recruiting where coaches sort of get eyes on a player different than maybe they were looking at initially? Does that make so, sense? Yeah, yeah. So let me take it outside of Atlanta because I think Atlanta, Atlanta high school football is so different. You can go there and literally, I'm not exaggerating, there'll be like a dozen kids who have FBS offers. You know, and you can go to like six, seven, eight schools that are in that same sort of situation. But there definitely have been, let's take it to in-state schools. There have been uh, players, particularly younger players, who benefit from having an older player who's being recruited because, yes, they're getting more eyes on them. Because a lot of this is, you know, you love the film on kids, but you don't, you know, the size is the size where you need needs to be. And if you're not able to lay eyes on a kid, you're not able to verify whether they have that size. And obviously, if a school has a legit player, college staffs are going to that school way more frequently. You might if they don't if a school does not have a legit player, they might only get a couple of visits. So obviously, it definitely helps if you have some players um, already at your school. Yeah, I mean. Anytime I remember locally, and, and folks that are watching this know where I live. I, I remember locally, um, coaches coming to the local high school to watch certain players, and then seeing other guys that were younger, mm -hmm. and it paid off for them. I mean, yeah. I mean, locally they had you had all the big wigs down here watching a couple of players in the 2020 class and the 2019 class, and those guys behind them all of a sudden got recognition. I'm including some guys that never played football before, um, but were big and end up yeah. with preferred walk-ons to schools. And I'm like, this is incredible. Just all you need is an eyeball and all you need is a chance. Uh, talking to Don Callahan, the scoop live is Johnny t-shirt and Johnny t-shirt.com. Don looking at your scoop and folks, um, if you haven't checked out, I guess, part three of the latest Intel uh, paler, Jonathan Paler is a big is big news always on Inside Carolina Message Boards. There's plenty of news about him. But I wanted to ask a question that comes up a lot, and we talked about it briefly, so I gave you a heads up. It's quarterback recruiting. Mm -hmm. um, everybody wants names. Who is North Carolina going after? They obviously had some targets that committed elsewhere. We discussed those last week and in, in the past. But 
as far as not having names out there in the in the 2024 class we talked about connor harrell we talked about drake may and all that is that a concern at all you've got a new offensive coordinator you've got new eyeballs on the staff there um is there any concern that maybe some names haven't emerged publicly at least for no. on recruiting no once i don't think so because once their first group of targets went elsewhere and you saw that the the spring evaluation period is right around the corner it makes so much sense to just wait until then especially at the quarterback position to where we talked about the eyeball test well that's obviously important but even more important than that is seeing a kid throw in person you can get quarterback is so important it's very rare for you to see a staff, any staff, offer a kid without seeing them throw in person because you just there's certain things you just can't pick up on tape. Velocity, you know, um, thought process, um, you know, see, you know, different being able to throw from different um, platforms, that sort of stuff. It's hard. It's hard to pick that stuff up on, on film. So and the other part of it is so they basically have, I would imagine, a list of names that could be as large as a dozen and it might start to kind of grow and shrink and that sort of thing. Um, while Chip Lindsay is going to all these different schools and, you know, we'll start to, we'll start to kind of hear some names here and there, but I think, you know, there, there's just nothing right now to really talk about. I'm sure, there's definitely names on the list, but some of those names, nothing might become of it. What is the, in your experience, where are the prime opportunities to see quarterbacks um, to get all of that information that you mentioned as far as laying actual eyeballs on the actual player? Where do coaches do that the most? Wait, say that again. I'm sorry. I got, I just got a message. This is breaking news. Welton Spotsville ended up at LSU. Wow. Yeah. A blast from the past, not too bad. Hey, transfer portal at work. Yeah. So anyway, so what was your question again? I'm sorry. What is the best place for college coaches to see high school recruit uh, quarterback recruits in person to lay those eyeballs on them? Obviously, during the seasons, you're not watching their games as much. You might go to a game or two, but I mean, so you get all that on, on tape. For our listeners and viewers and readers and all that stuff, where, where do the predominant um, – coaches or, or the biggest coaches or all the coaches get that quarterback knowledge they need um, to see, to know whether they're going to recruit, know whether they're going to offer and all that. The best spot is in the camp setting. You're at your own, on your own campus, because then you can completely control everything, you know, who they're throwing to the type of drills, that sort of stuff. Right now, this is all going to take place on the high school campuses. You know, there'll be, you know, Quarterbacks will be conveniently throwing to their receivers at specific times so the college coaches can go and watch them. I mean, their schools are having spring practice. You know, Georgia is in spring practice right now. The state of Georgia is in spring practice right now. The state of North Carolina starts spring practices, I guess, in a couple weeks. So you can see, obviously, practices. But the coaches know these things are all set up in, in, in advance. So the coaches know, okay, this kid has gym class at 11 a.m., I'm going to go to the field, and they know they're going to go out there, and and the quarterback is throwing to his receivers. You know, so those sort of that's that's where the coach is going to get a lot of 
that information they need to get. Now, the ideal scenario, like I laid out, would be in person where he's saying, hey, you know, or on, on their own campus where he's saying, throw this, throw that, throw this. Um, but you can't obviously do that when you're on a high school campus because you, the, the communication is is limited. Yeah, it's interesting. And then you have to weigh that versus what they actually do in a game. Yeah. Um, because we've all heard of cage monsters. Those are the batting cage baseball players that tear it up. Mm -hmm. um, and we've heard of driving range monsters on that, um, on the golf course. I'm one of those. And then stink on the course. So it's an interesting dynamic um, about recruiting, but quarterbacks specifically. And to your point, Lindsey and his guys want to get eyes on as many as possible, which sort of brings me to another question. Um, and shout out to Preston from Greensboro. He's always asking relative relevant ones. Don, do you feel the staff has given out more offers this year over the past years? It does not appear that they're being as selective, I guess, in years past. Have you noticed a change with the number of offers going out? So I do think that they're still being selective. I mean, they're not just tossing offers out. But I do agree, and this is more anecdotally because I actually – wanted to make this one of my kind of, um, I guess, research projects for a weekly scoop, but there's been so much going on this spring that I haven't been able to get to it. But yeah, I definitely want to kind of dive into just how many offers are being tossed out there by North Carolina, not tossed out, or being offered out there by North Carolina this year. Not only that, but the locations. You know, Tennessee is a state North Carolina seems to be hitting pretty hard this cycle. They got to commit from New Jersey, which is the first time since I think the 2019 class in North Carolina has has gotten a commitment from the state of New Jersey. You know, and it seems also, you know, Florida, um, you just just out of their definitely out of the six hour driving radius that Mac Brown talks about. But um, I want I want to once I get an opportunity to kind of sit down and actually go through those numbers to see just how different it is or if it's just kind of like a figment of our imagination. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's not the shotgun approach, but um, it is, it's interesting. And I had a follow up there and I totally lost it as I was listening to your wonderful explanation. Anything left on this portion of the show after the, after the break, we're going to take reader questions and then a couple other topics we need to go into, but anything left currently, like I told everybody, Don Scoop is currently up on the message board. A ton of names there, a ton of information there. Anything, Don, that maybe we need to discuss on this end of it? I think we, I think we've touched a lot of things so far, so, and I know so we're going to get into more. So, so we handled it to your to your satisfaction. We handled. Hey, but it's about you. It's about you, Tom. No, 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 no. This is your <laughs> podcast. I told you a long time ago. I'm a guy that's the front of the jersey. I see everything. It's all that matters. <laughs> and it's for our listeners. Let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of the podcast. Man, I was at the baseball game last night, and I heard somebody say, Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Hey, I don't say it because I, I just want to. I say it because I mean it. Take care of them. They support us. Go get all the relevant stuff you need for North Carolina. They have a ton, and you get 10% off. Not only are you getting Don Callahan, Sherelle McMillan, and the Tar Pit Premium and the Message Board Basketball Premium, you're getting Johnny T-shirts, gifts or, or excuse me, discount on top of whatever sales they're always having on Franklin Street and in person or online. National guys pay the bills. It's the Scoop Live. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I always laugh when I say we'll be right back on the YouTube version because we never go anywhere. Yeah. And I don't edit it to like make it look like there was a commercial. But if you're listening to the podcast, you just heard a couple ads from the national guys. Don, let's talk about, um, as we get into this, a national deal. And that's the new rule changes. Specifically, and we can talk about a lot, but specifically the ability for kids to have unlimited official visits. Yeah. On its face, it seems incredibly expensive for universities, but they can absorb those costs, or at least most of them can. But how nuts yeah. does that make it? And, and you got the portal. I mean, it's it is it, absolute chaos. It, it was it it was typical NCAA. Now let, let me just let me just be clear. I'm not one of those people who just hates the NCAA because they are the governing body. I'm not one of those who hates Roger Goodell or you know <laughs> or my HOA association or anything like that. I understand that those like Roger Goodell has a purpose. All right, I'm not booing Roger Goodell. He has a purpose. He has a job. The NCAA though, and they have a purpose, they have a job. They just, it's just such a mess. The whole thing with the whole structure, you have all these different groups that make all these different decisions for all of these colleges that are vastly different. And then these people who are making these decisions, a lot of them are not 
anywhere close to the ground level or have an understanding of what's going on. If you're going to, let's, let's just put the actual rule aside for a second. If you're going to make such a rule, though, why employ it in the middle of a cycle? Why not say for the 2025 class? But now they're going to start it on July 1st, which is going to just, who knows what that's going to do. But I think, I don't know. Um, that's I, I have a general thought of of the uh, the actual rules. I know that, and I mentioned this in the in in the scoop that everyone I talk to are just shaking their head. And these are people I talk to about the rules all the time. And there's rules they don't like. There's rules you know they disagree with or whatever. But this is just like a lot of people are like, what the what is going on? Why is this a rule? And you can read, you know, I don't. I guess I, I don't know if I should give. Uh, our competition, any sort of credit, but Rivals did a nice story on it where they talked to some sources, quote unquote, and um, and everyone in there is just like, what, what's going on? Who's making the decision? Why are they making this decision? What the timing, all that sort of stuff. Um, before I get into the actual ruling, do you you want to give me your thoughts? Well, I just think it's, you know, I'm all about freedom of movement. Coaches mm-hmm. have had freedom of movement forever. Um, but when you see it actually in place and you you, like Welton Spotsville, you just Spotsville, you just mentioned him. He's going to LSU now. He's, you know, he's bounced around in the portal. The portal gives that option to current players. And now it feels like the NCAA has done this, um, giving high school guys even more. I, I mean, I want to talk about what it looks like in theory versus mm-hmm. what it's going to look like in practice. I mean, in practice, so so do this. This is how we'll do this. Explain explain offers, right? Explain, okay. first of all, give me a nutshell version of how North Carolina issues offers because offers made today are not technically official offers until later at a certain time. Is that correct? Like it's not an Basically, official. I mean, offers are kind of this intangible thing kind of floating in the air. There you go. Explain yeah, I mean, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it's like if you're dating someone, I guess. I mean, there there is that thing between you and that person, but it's not, you can't touch it. And that's the same thing with an offer, mostly because, you know, we did have paper offers at one point, but the NCAA made a ruling that basically made those paper offers worthless. But anyway, but even the paper offers were kind of worthless also. But yeah, so if you get an offer, you know, it's kind of like an understanding of, hey, when it comes time to sign a letter of intent, you're you are going to give me a letter of intent and I and you, you're going to give me a letter of intent so I can sign so I can enroll at your school with my tuition and books and all that other stuff paid for. But we have seen lots of situations. I mean, not at, you know, North Carolina, we talked about all the offers that are out. Not all those kids have committable offers, yeah. you know, and, and if. If all of a sudden, you know, what North Carolina is, what, nine commits right now? If all of a sudden 15 kids committed, all the rest of them are going to be, you know, meaningless. There's no offer there. You know, It's kind of like if I invited you to the Hurricanes game tonight to see some real hockey. um, (laughs) But then at 645, I decided I didn't want you. Yeah. And we haven't gone in yet. And you can ghost me. Yeah. And then that offer is basically – so when you you have it – when you put it that way, Mm -hmm. okay, so – a school offers a player, said player commits. Said player has taken his previous rule five official visits. 
he can still drive over to the other school. He can still do that. But now with this new rule, that player can come in and the other schools can come in and they can have more official visits, even yes. after a commitment and all well, that, and there's no limit. Yeah, so let me take it to – let me use like an actual example that could actually play out. Jonathan Paler, who set up his official visit schedule, which has South Carolina, Clemson, Maryland, NC State currently, and I think I'm, – I'm, I'm pretty confident North Carolina, North Carolina is going to get the fifth, okay? These are all going to take place in June, or at least they're scheduled to do so. Let's say that he takes those official visits – and then commits to North Carolina. Now, let's say November, Alabama, who had offered him previously, or Ohio State, or both, they're like, crap, we didn't get our top targets at slot receiver. And they say, hey, Jonathan, let's bring you in for an official visit. I mean, does anyone think do it? Yeah. And does anyone think he's going to say no? It's not going to cost him anything? And so I think it does. I mean, obviously, if you're Minnesota, you're not going to you're not going to have the pull to do that. But this gives more power, actually, to the powerhouses. You know, Alabama's and the Clemson's and the Georgia's went out again. Now, I, I, I think, actually, um, I do have if I could explain the whole thing. I mean, or did you have anything? I didn't want to go in a different direction yet. Unless, no, I want you to okay. I want you to to fully flesh so, it out. We're at uh, twelve thirty seven, and we like to do these for an hour, so you okay. got plenty. So the way that the 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 official visits have kind of played out right now is that the kids have been you know they kind of get an idea of what schools they have. They make a bunch of visits in the spring. They make some in the prior fall, right? And then they're starting to kind of narrow it down. Some of those kids, like we've seen with Ryan Ward, he took all of his visits, all completely, him and his family paid for. And he said, you know what? I don't need official visits. I'm going to commit. And he committed to North Carolina. But a lot of other kids are using these spring visits and using the prior falls visits to decide what schools, what are my finalists? And I'm going to take official visits to those finalists in June and then make a decision right before my senior season. That's how official visits have, have kind of settled in, you know, the last few years. With the ability to take more than five, I could see a scenario where kids say, and this is why it makes the whole idea of starting it in the middle of a cycle completely stupid, is that colleges and recruits can say, okay, you know, if, if a recruit gets a, a scholarship offer from a kid, you because you, you brought up scholarship offers. That's why I thought you were kind of going. You brought up scholarship offers. They can say, all right, well, when do you want me to schedule my official visit? Because I get one to your school. You know what I mean? And so instead of, like Ryan Ward did, he visited like a dozen schools on his own dime. And some families have the ability to do that. I would imagine most can't visit a whole lot of schools like that. But but let's so all those schools you get offers from. To me, if I'm a recruit, I'm going to I'm going to try to spend as much time as possible taking official visits to all those schools because I'm not paying for it, so I don't have to worry about that. You know, so you could see kids using these more to visit schools, but then you're taking away that last check visit that official visits are being used for now. Does that make sense, or am I kind of yeah. babbling here? No, I, I think instead of me. Um, you know, Johnny linebacker driving around to see schools myself that I've been offered. I'll just take the officials and I'll do it whenever I want to. And whenever I can, 
And so, yeah, hundred percent get it. It's not a narrowing process anymore. It's a, yeah, it's um, and I'd be all about the free stuff. I'm not gonna lie to you. Some of this stuff they get on official visits, I'm going everywhere. Let, let me, can I just, I can I just give you a real quick thing? They used to call me the freebie king. Okay. okay? When I was in, uh, when I lived in Philadelphia, I grew up, actually grew up in Philadelphia, but we moved to the suburbs when I was in uh, my, my freshman year. We went to a school where so many of the kids got free lunch that they just gave everyone free lunch. And it was actually way better than the lunch I would pay for at my suburban high school. But anyway, so I would go up there and get tons of pizza and tons of, hot, of, of hoagies and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I would go up there like 10 times. So they would call me, you know, there was, there was a couple people called me the freebie king because of that. So you would be the kid that took 800 official visits to get all the free stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask a question, a relevant question. Do schools, and I thought I knew the answer to this, but I'm thinking that I probably don't. Do schools have a limit on how many official visits they can host? So they do. And so it used to be, I think, 52 or 53 at one point. I think they raised that because we actually, a long time ago, back when official visits were truly taking place, they mattered Mm -hmm. during the fall and the winter. We would, I would track that because you would see how many official visits they were using, and that would make a difference. You can kind of get an idea of how their board was narrowing. But then once it came to a point where it it didn't matter, um, I stopped focusing on that. But I think they raised the limit. I have to double check on that, but I think there is a limit. So, so yeah, so you do kind of get an idea of if if there is a limit, you get an idea of at least a smaller size of just who they're actually interested in yeah schools have to be the school themselves have to be selective but the players can go wherever but Um, even if but even if you have 50 something i mean i don't know do you have i guess i guess you still have to be kind of kind of selective but that's still a lot yeah i think absolutely Okay, your homework is to figure out what that number is now okay. for the next scoop. Robert Holland on the chat says, it seems like the NCAA has lost their mind since they lost the Supreme Court case. Yes. Um, and I, I totally agree with that. It's a perfect segue to the elevator session of the program that okay. we're going to talk about and something that you always list. And I know folks, um, sometimes folks don't want to hear about other schools on inside carolina podcast but i think it is absolutely relevant in a recruiting podcast about what's going on elsewhere so i wanted to sort of look on the scoop portion a couple things one you list notable visits elsewhere and you have a an exhaustive list so how does this list change with the new rule change a and the names on this list like and i'll pull Corey duff he's visited a ton of places in the last um, week or so, or a couple of weeks. How does how does this rule change change this sort of aspect of the scoop and, and your work here, given what they can do nowadays? I think it would actually make it easier for me because I think if you're taking an official visit, then that will be more announced by both the recruit and those who cover those those schools. Uh, and and then also because like as we're saying it might be more somewhat selective we would have an idea you know of, it would it would be there wouldn't be as many I guess but um, yeah I mean I would imagine to use the Corey Duff example is that 
you know, I think what we have, you know, we, we went to Pitt the last two weeks and Rutgers and Syracuse. I think he went, I think that's it. You know, those would be official visits and his parents wouldn't have to pay for that, which would be great for him. Um, but just makes a mess of things. Yeah. So looking at the elevator, tell me why, um, in your opinion, and we talked about this, why that's relevant um, to the Scoop podcast here. So I wanted to, you know, I feel like sometimes we, we want to just, once a kid commits somewhere else or eliminates North Carolina or whatever it may be, we just kind of move on and don't try to understand what might have happened or why it happened this way and that sort of thing. You know, I think Brody Barnhart is, is a great example. I mean, this is a kid who, I think it was in December, named a top three, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, NC State, and then North Carolina basically used the, a ticket to the UNC Duke basketball game to, to kind of squeeze back in there, even though, I mean, clearly, if, if there was something that happened, maybe a misunderstanding or whatever, I get it. But clearly, if you look at all of those schools, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, NC State, they're very similar. With with say. yeah, so kids who fit who fit perfectly at those three schools don't typically fit perfectly at North Carolina, right? I mean, I I don't want to. I know it's kind of like an unsaid. I mean, I'll, it is what I'll it is. Time. It's sort of like it's sort of like the 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 Peyton Wilson thing, right? Yeah. It's very similar type. It's like which we always talk about in recruiting, which one does not belong. Yeah. And it can be powerhouses and then a one outlier, or it can be um, a bunch of different schools and then the hometown school, but it also can be that type deal. Um, And so it's fascinating to me that you list them out. Um, And it's one of the coolest things about it. My question for you, Mm -hmm. given all that we've talked about now, um, when you've got a guy and again, um, go to the scoop if you're watching this and read it up yourself, cause I'm not going to give it all, but you've got up and down based on where Carolina appears on these guys radar, either, um, on their radar as in a list of schools or if they committed elsewhere and all, how much does a list of schools for players matter a for that player usually? Um, but B for the coverage of the recruiting aspect of it that you do and that other places do and other schools do. Yeah. It, well, for the coverage, it helps me out tremendously when a kid comes up the list, even if, you know, it's a top 13 or top 15, I would much rather have it much smaller than that. But for me, I got a list of players that I'm tracking by a bunch of different means and if um, if I can scratch off a few names here and there that I don't have to track anymore, that helps me out a lot. Now, for the kids, I think that a lot of schools, you know, there's different degrees of, of obviously recruiting, you know, how you're recruiting a kid. You know, I, I don't want to get into all of it, but um, not, not because I'm it just would take forever. But um, so if you like, for example, that Jake um, um, guy. Gunera, he eliminated say, North Carolina. Pick, pick, pick somebody with a good, uh, an easy <laughs> name. <laughs> you know, he came out of the top five. And so some schools who might have been kind of on the fringe there can be like, all right, we're done with him. You know, we'll probably just continue to send him the generic sort of 
edits and, and mail and that's it. But, you know, our coaches aren't going to reach out to him anymore. We're going to spend our resources somewhere else. Now, there are, there are going to be some schools that are like, whoa, wait a second. Why weren't we in your top schools list? And they'll reach back out and, and maybe they're able to get in there. But at least they have an idea. Okay, if, if he came out of the top five, we're running sixth. You know what I mean? So, um, but I was just, I, I, I thought it was, you know, like, like, let's bring up something positive for North Carolina, at least, you know, James Nesta came out with the top eight. This was a kid who North Carolina didn't offer until recently. He's, he's right. actually a, a baseball player. And that's where I think a lot of schools kind of, I think that kind of hurt his football recruiting for two reasons. One, you know, I've been to a, to a couple of practices where I was hoping to see him. This was last year. And he wasn't there because he was doing something for baseball purposes. You know, he, I think he's, you know, throws a fa- his fastball hits like the low 90s or something like that. Um, so I imagine a lot of other, uh, I imagine a lot of college staffs were kind of facing that sort, same sort of situation where they come and check him out. He's not with the football team. He's with the baseball team, that sort of thing. And then I'm sure some people realize, hey, you know, let's not put a whole lot of effort into this. Or let, we have two recruits. One's probably going to be drafted high for baseball. Let's go see the other one first sort of thing. And so that kind of delayed a little bit, but, um, but yeah, so he got the offer from North Carolina. I think it was like a month ago, visited a couple of weeks ago and he included North Carolina in his top eight. He's a guy that North Carolina really likes at that edge rusher position. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of happens with that, you know, especially since North Carolina is a little bit late to the game compared to others. And then also you got the, the, the baseball side of it. Um, so a couple more questions before we get out of here and shout out to the folks that have been with us the whole time. I know the answer to this. How many, give me the names of players that committed to Carolina without a visit. The commit that. Yeah. And it's this cycle. No, ever, ever. It just doesn't happen much. That's my point. No. So you got to get them on campus. Yeah. And then the official visit. It is also a must. Uh, I mean, the old thing with basketball recruiting is once you get them on campus, and I think Armando Baycott said, don't come to campus if you're not trying to re- to commit because you're going to. But anyway, um, all these visits, uh, all the NCAA rules and all that, it just creates a, a chaotic scene. The NCAA is good at doing that. Um, but ultimately for Carolina, you got to get guys to campus and the recruiting train keeps going on. Anything left, Don, before we take a couple questions out of the chat? Yeah. Um, just to kind of run through real quick, we mentioned Brody Barhart committed to NC State within the last two weeks. Um, Micah Gilbert came out. Now just Tommy, well, Micah Gilbert came out the top seven, including North Carolina on there. Uh, K, uh, KJ Jackson, we kind of touched on this already. Quarterback, one of North Carolina's few quarterback uh, offers. He committed to Arkansas. Max LeBlanc. Um, who's actually, I think, from Canada, um, committed to Ohio State. He had North Carolina's final four. He visited North Carolina earlier in the um, uh, earlier in the month. Uh, mentioned Nesta. Nesta uh, Jesse Perry committed to Tennessee. Christian Peterson included North Carolina as the top eight. Zaire Rayner committed to Minnesota. We kind of saw that coming a little bit. Um, and that's it besides North Carolina's commits, which we should all be well aware of. Yep, and also pay attention to Inside Carolina. You'll get a commitment text, and then Don and I will do a couple commitment videos um, as they come become relevant. Um, so always check back for Inside Carolina Don's work on the thing. 
I'm going to ask one more question from the chat, and then uh, I think we need to do a top five most important or must needs for North Carolina at some point. When we're okay. Do do it for the, do you want to do it for the next? We can. Are we going to let then, people? Are we going to let people chime in with what they want? We, yeah. We why do don't we do this? Way? Why don't we say? Because one of the things that when I won't say the person's name when my former wife, um, when we did it it became a pain in the butt to kind of collect them all together uh, because we were getting them from a lot of different means. So why don't we put it like, if you want your top five, we'll, we'll, we'll mention it again, remind people about it in the beginning of the next podcast. And, but you post it in the chat so that we have it. So we can yep. just read it. And that, that just keeps it easier for us. Cause we don't have, we don't have a producer. We got to handle everything. Yeah. You got to be present to win and uh, be in the chat. I mean, are you just getting texts blown up from high school recruits or all, or you got other stuff to do? I got, I get. Well, right now my focus is Tommy Ashley. But well, I just, I just wondered if you had a different ringtone <laughs> for like, you know, if it's a five star, it makes this noise. If it's a four star, <laughs> I mean, I think that might be an idea for you. Yeah. Let me ask the chat one more question. George Jenkins in the chat. John, uh, Don, excuse me. Is there a material difference in the NIL landscape this cycle? Does, does, how much does Carolina's ability or inability or whatever you want to call it to, and I think they have certainly have the ability um, in the NIL area of recruiting. How, how much have you seen of that has been an issue or um, a factor? So I know that the reason why this is probably being brought up because this is kind of like the new, at first there was a group of posters who were like, oh, recruiting's fine, recruiting's fine. And the rankings are going to catch up, and now they're pushing the whole UNC is falling back because of NIL sort of stuff. And really, it, it, I mean, you know how this is. I mean, kids were getting paid before NIL, and that was something that North Carolina had a battle with. It, it obviously changed the way it was done um, once NIL was legal, and obviously North Carolina can get involved with it a little bit more. Has it hurt North Carolina? Yes. But if I was going to list, I mean, if I was going to list the top five reasons why the last class did, wasn't a top 25 class and this class does not look like it's going to be a top 25 class, the NIL stuff would be in there, but it wouldn't be my number one for sure. Um, and um, so it's, it's definitely a factor. But if anything, I feel like, and this is more just kind of hearing things than anything else because i i don't i try to stay away from it it's it's still kind of weird to me and plus it's still even though it's legal people don't talk about it openly like recruits we you know when i get on the phone with someone or a parent or anything no one's saying oh i'm getting this i don't i still think that it's, it's more of like the top top players that are mostly talking about these deals like you know you know, the, the nation's top 100 sort of thing, not for the most part. Now there, obviously there's some outside of that. I don't think, you know, like Jaden Patterson, for example, I don't think he went to Duke and Vanderbilt and Wake Forest and North Carolina said, who can pay me the most? I just don't think that's what happened with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So um, with all that said, it does feel like North Carolina is understanding a little bit more just from what I've gathered and maybe, better about it but i mean there's certain programs that have basically taken like an nfl approach to this you know it's why michigan state 
you know, all of a sudden became this, this, uh, I don't want to say a recruiting power, but the ability to pull some guys, you know, out of areas that had no business pulling guys out of and, and Tennessee became this huge threat. You know, there's some other programs that have, have really kind of rode NIL, but yeah. I just, I don't think it's as big of a problem as people let it out, but I'm not saying it's not a problem or yeah. it hasn't been a detriment. Yeah. And I think Carolina is certainly doing it the right way with Hills for Life. Um, Graham Boone and those guys, they are taking care of that aspect of it. I do think that that aspect of um, the the equation is a bigger deal in the transfer portal than maybe in high school recruiting. I could be wrong. Yeah. But. And I think, and, and again, I think it matters with, the, with what kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Think, and there, there definitely were certain kids who said starting price is this sort of thing. Right. And then, you know, but there were some kids who were like, I want to go someplace that's going to help me better my NFL stock or to get planked. If you are, so, so maybe not the kids in North Carolina signed in the last, in the last cycle, but if you're a kid who just got, who just left because you weren't getting playing time, you're not demanding NIL money to go somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway. it's crazy. It's just another one of those things that creates the chaos. But like you said, um, I, I was at the Bosch covering the baseball game and there were a couple um, younger reporters in there and we were talking about the NCAA mess in 2010. Of course, they had no idea. They weren't really around then. And they were, one of them was reading something that said, oh, yeah, so-and-so was offered $4,000 in illegal inducements. They got they got banned yeah, for that? Yeah, it's crazy to think about now. <laughs> was like, yeah. It's crazy. Four thousand dollars might get you a uh, you know third string offensive guard uh, yeah. in, in the big week schools, but yeah, it, it's interesting. It's always uh, it's always something, and the NCAA, like we've talked about for the last thirty minutes, has certainly made it more of those somethings to have to deal with. Don Callahan, I'm Tommy Ashley. It's the Scoop Live. I'm thinking I see Scoop Live um, to play off the shirt. Um, I'm thinking high noon scoops. I'm thinking a bunch of different names. Like I said, I still got a hat. It still remains here. It needs to go in the mail to somebody to drop us a name that we use. Anything else, Don? No, uh, I guess Sean says that late on my lunch break, two scoops with to- uh, with Tommy and and Don. Yeah, uh, see, then. I don't want. I don't see. My name does not need to be in it because Don is the star of the show. And then inside Carolina. So I am third. And uh, you're third, your name does not need to be in something. I'm just a conduit for your knowledge, Mr. Uh, Callahan. I see. I see. Well, you do a yeah. good job of that. Well, I try my best. It's been Inside Carolina Podcast, the Scoop Live. As always, Sean, if you didn't hear it live, <laughs> you can catch us on the podcast feeds or it'll be right on YouTube. Just as soon as I click end, it'll be there for you to check out. Check us out there. Check out Don's work on InsideCarolina.com on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. And I always check out Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. If you're around, I'll see you at the Bosch this weekend. Don, I'm sure we'll be talking soon enough. Thanks, buddy.
It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.